And um, so this morning's message that I'm giving is one that is very close to me. Um, it's one that I've experienced and one that I can give personal testimony to and has really uh, changed my life. And, um, but I do want to mention, however, that this message for, um, for most churches to talk about is very difficult. And to me, it's because of how they go about it. It's even become controversial for some churches. But I believe a lot of churches, and this is my belief, and pastors convey this topic wrong all too often and, I've, and probably chase some people away. In fact, there may be somebody in here that has left the church because of this very topic and how it was conveyed to you or preached to you. However, I hope to shed all new light on this topic this morning. Stay with me, and if you're searching for what we're going to talk about today, you're going to want to hear this. So before I get started, I really want to open this one in prayer. <laughs> Lord, Heavenly Father, I pray that I put myself aside, and I pray that you just use me as your vessel, that your words come out of my mouth and into the hearts of those that are here. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, would anyone care to venture on what I want to talk about this morning? <laughs> oh, no. Ooh, that's pretty close. You're pretty close on par with that. Yeah, I'd say stewardship. Yep, same, same, same ballpark. And yes, I talked about stewardship last, about a year ago, but it was in little two-minute chats before the service, if you recall, those that were here. And it was kind of warming you up to what stewardship was about. And, uh, but today, it's going to be different. Today, it's because it's more about my personal experience. I didn't have a chance to share that with you a year ago. So let me start with what stewardship is in the Bible. <clears throat> really, it's how we use and manage our time and our talents and our possessions or wealth, all for the glory of God. And yes, Tony was saying the word money and the word giving is used throughout stewardship. But I want you to be clear this morning. Don't be fooled by, these, by the use of these words, especially money. I want you to listen carefully now and please take note. Although stewardship involves money, it's not about the money. Okay? Although stewardship involves money, it's not about the money. And we'll come to that here in just a moment. Um, you're probably going to get to know me a little bit better this morning. I'm not one to, one to speak a lot about me or get to know me, but it's the only way I can do this message this morning. Um, it's finally how I understood stewardship and how it radically changed my life. It's going to be a bit more testimony, sermon, or testimony witnessing versus a sermon this morning. I could throw out lots of verses to you until I'm blue in the face, but I don't think that would be very effective. You'll hear a few verses, but those that have impacted my life. But it was other people's testimony, their witnessing, that really changed my life, that impacted me, that eventually took root and is allowing me to stand really before you today to talk about, talk about this topic. So are you ready? So, so let me start with the first seed planting in my life. Many years ago, I was really wrapped up into money, wealth, really to the point it was consuming me. It really defined me, and it was all about my wallet. I was involved with a lot of 
trading stocks, exchanging, selling short, investment and all that. I'm not saying anything's wrong with that. It's good to invest, but it was consuming me. Consuming me to the point that it was affecting my life and how I treated other people. About that same time, Carla got called off to some seminar, and so I had the three daughters, they were small at the time, for the weekend. So I said, hey, girls, let's go to Baskin-Robbins ice cream. It was Friday night. You call, does anyone remember the Baskin-Robbins that was on the corner of Lake Washington? You do, yeah? You remember when you walk into the left, and they had that little, little tiny table and chairs for tots about this time? Well, that's where they wanted to sit. So, so we go in, we get our ice cream, we take a sit, and I'm, I'm literally, I'm down, I'm down like this, you know, in this little tiny chair, and all three daughters there. And we're, we're chatting, and all of a sudden, Pastor Clarence comes in from Suntry United Methodist Church, the church we were going to at the time. Now, Pastor Clarence, keep in mind, was six foot eight. I'm not exaggerating. And when he spoke, he just spoke in this astute, commanding voice. Oh, Mr. Etherton, it's great to see you. Oh, your lovely daughters. And you just kind of shivered every time that he spoke. And, you know, I'm sitting there, and really, he's six foot eight, and I'm in this little tiny chair with the three daughters. I'm looking up at him. And we're talking, and I'm making small talk, and suddenly he stops. And he looks directly at Caitlin. He looks directly at Kelly, and then he looks directly at Catherine without saying a word. And then he turned and looked at me square in the eyes, and he goes, Jay, you're a very wealthy man. That moment changed, started to change my life for what wealth was really about. You see, whoop, this is what was defining me all along. My priorities, my heart, my time, when all along it was right in front of me. I'm not saying that money and saving all that is bad. It's good. But it was consuming me and was taking over my life. Matthew 6.24, Jesus tells us, no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. For me, I was definitely serving money for some time after that as well. But it was Pastor Clarence that planted that first seed that really got me stirring and got me on my road. I wasn't there quite there yet, but that was the first seed planting. Keep in mind that stewardship and giving is critical in the building and outreach of, number one, the church, the community, and especially you as the individual, which is what we'll see this morning. Crown Financial Ministries, they'll tell you there's like over 2,000 verses in the Bible that talks about money and how to handle possessions and so forth. I'm only going to cover about 122 of them this morning. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Seeing if you're awake, you're listening, you're listening, good. No. But Jesus said more about money and possessions than almost any other subject. And there's a reason, there's a very good reason, and this is important to understand. Number one, how we handle money influences our fellowship with God. Think about it. Number two, possessions compete with God for first place in our lives. We know that's all too common. And number three, much of life revol revolves around the use of money. 
can't deny that. That's why Jesus talked about it so much. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 7. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. I was so far removed from that at that time. I was about as far away as you could get. But my wife can tell you stories about how hard-headed, penny-pinching, knucklehead I was back then. And when, if any of you have taken the spiritual gift test, you've got giving and you've got prophecy and teaching and exhortation and so forth. Giving was on the bottom back then, the bottom rung. I've taken this test a couple times, and it changes. The first time I took it, giving was on the bottom of the rung of the ladder. Attitude is everything in giving, but for me, it was definitely not natural. And it took an act of God, literally, to change that in my life, which I'll discuss in a moment. Matthew 6 tells us three things in line with obedience, and that's giving, and that's prayer, and that's fasting. And each one says, when you give, and when you pray, and when you fast. It doesn't say if you do. It says when you do. I want to be very clear here, and I've said this before back about a year ago. I will never tell you what to give. It shouldn't be my job, it's not my job, and it's not your pastor's job to tell you what to give. This is critical, and where I believe a lot of churches, I believe, go astray. They'll preach and tell you what to do rather than through God's word that we're going to hear this morning and personal testimony that gives you a, just a piece of the puzzle, really God's truth and God's promise, more importantly, that if acted upon, it's going to bless you and others and give you a changed life. Paul's telling us in 2 Corinthians, in chapter 8, verse 7, but since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in love, we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in his grace of giving. You know, we may walk, you know, a big, a, a big uh, walk in our faith, talk about it, our knowledge of the Bible, how much we love, and so forth. But Paul is really telling us here, see that you also excel in his grace of giving. Remember what I said earlier, and this is critical, and this is where I went astray. Although stewardship, giving, involves money, it's not really about the money. The money is not the end result. Here's the result. It is by giving that God raises people into the likeness of his son. This is where I'm leading us today. It's usually through a changed heart. And via that changed heart, God's promises will be revealed to you. Matthew 6, in verse 19 through 21, Jesus is teaching and telling us about money and possessions. Do not store up yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up your, yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And notice that Jesus uses these words, treasure and heart, collectively. 
That's important. It's not by accident or coincidence that he's doing that. Look at your checkbook. Look at your credit card statements, your time, or even your toys. And there's nothing wrong with hobbies, toys, vacations, assets, money, and all that. There's nothing wrong with that. But is it out of balance? More importantly, does it consume you? For me, back then, that money portion was consuming me to the point of how I treated others. So let me ask you, there's a portion of your wealth or even your time, your talent, think about it, does just a portion of that glorify God? That's the real question. Where you spend your time and what you do with your wealth is your treasure. And more times than not, that's where your heart is as well. My treasure, again, was this right here. Pastor Clarence clearly woke me up that day and showed me my treasure was right there in front of me. My family, my daughters. For you, it could be your family, your children, your mom, your dad, whatever. But that really, that woke me up and started me on the right path. So what do we do? Our intention should be to seek God's will and purpose in all that we do and all acts of obedience. As a part is what we do in our, and a part of that, as I said, is what we do in our giving and the tithing. And yes, I said that word tithing. Sit tight. He said it earlier. Don't get nervous. Tithing. I'm not going to preach to you, but in a moment, I'm going to give you my personal testimony that I hope will provide another piece of the puzzle for you, as it did for me several years ago. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Many people have a hard time believing that giving results in material blessings flowing back to the giver. I was one of them, very much so, to the extreme. I would ask myself, how is this possible? Blessings flowing back to me when I'm giving out. It's not logical. I'm a logical person. It didn't make sense to me. Any of you that are logical in this room, maybe you're on board with me with that. It just doesn't make sense. I could not comprehend at that time until one day, finally one day, I took God up on his promise. And it changed my life and threw logical out the door, completely out the door. That promise is Malachi 3.10. And if you have your Bibles, you can turn to that. I'd, I'd say mark that in your Bibles, Malachi 3.10. It's the last book in the Old Testament right before Matthew in the New Testament. Malachi 3.10. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessings that you will not have room enough for it. Malachi 3.10 is the one place, it's the one item, the one area, where God asks you 
to test him. And here is my story. So not long after this episode with Pastor Clarence, Carla and I were in a disciple class at Suntree Church. And um, there was a couple in there. That was, their name was Jean and Jan. And uh, somehow we got off on the topic of giving and tithing. I don't know what we were studying back then. And um, they began to tell their story. And to keep a long story short, to be very brief, he started talking about, well, the money is just there. We, we give, we tithe, the money is just always there. And we went on and on and just didn't register with me. And he says, yeah, and somehow it just doesn't add up. I do the checkbook, I look at my bills, and it just doesn't add up. For what I'm supposed to be tithing with and what my checkbook looks like, it doesn't add up. But the money's always there. And I'm starting to look at Carlos saying, this guy's a wacko. What is he talking about? What is he talking about? See, I, I, did, I was not anywhere near, you know, my walk and my faith back then. And he kept telling us this, and so we left. And that night, you know, I go back home a couple of nights later. I can't get that out of my mind. The money's always there, but it doesn't add up. A couple more nights go by, and it keeps weighing on me what he's saying. The money's always there, and I look at my expenses, and they outweigh this, but the money's always flowing in. It doesn't add up. About the second week, I start getting that, test me, Jay, Test me in this one area of your life. And this started really to bother me. So now I'm starting to sweat about this. I'm starting to hear this Malachi 3.10 come at me. Second week, third week, I'm starting to hear this more and more again. I'm starting to build up anxiety. I'm starting to lose sleep over this. So I said, I've got the answer. I've got the way to get out of this. I'm going to ask my wife, Carla. She's going to say, we can't afford that. We can't do that. Forget it and I'll be home free. So a couple nights go by, and uh, we're sitting on the couch, and I pop the question. Hey, what do you think about the thing about tithing, what Jean and Jan were talking about, you know? She looked over at me, didn't hesitate, and says, well, yes, what are you waiting for? <laughs> my heart sank right then and there. I, I was doomed. My heart sank. So now I really had this pressure on me. So it's like, okay, I lost the battle. I lost it on that. So Sunday comes up, and I'm at the desk, and I'm there, and I've got the checkbook in front of me, and I'm literally there like 20 minutes. I'm, I'm going over looking at the bills. I'm looking at this. I'm trying to do some fancy math here, and it's not adding up. It's not adding up. And I'm there for 20 minutes, and I'm starting to sweat over this. And finally, I get up enough courage to write that check, and I put it in my pocket, and off the church we go. Well, that was the worst drive to church I've ever had in my life. Was it? So we get to church, and I, we sit way over to the right, because I know in this church, you know, I'm, I was an usher there, that the offering starts on the left-hand side, and there's a big, long pew there. So I'm sitting on the right-hand side to give me more time. So the service begins, and we uh, get halfway into the service when the offering began, and the offering starts, and there comes the plates on the left-hand side. And I'm sitting there, and I'm watching that plate come down. And my heart's starting to throb. I've got this check in my pocket, and it's coming, and it's getting closer, and I'm starting to break out into a sweat. And it gets to me, and literally, I have this check in my hand here, and I got the offering plate in my hand, and I froze. I literally froze 
for moments. And suddenly, Carla realized that this place is not moving. <laughs> and she looks, she's sitting, she looks over at me and she goes, she gives me this elbow and goes, put that in there and pass it on. So I throw it in, the plate, and it moves on. Now notice, I threw it in reluctantly. I was not a cheerful giver. So the next Sunday comes up, and I'm at the desk, and I'm toiling over it. Okay, gosh, can I do this? And I write the check, you know, and off to church we go, and I throw it in there again. And this goes on for two or three or four weeks. And finally, I'm at the desk about the fourth or fifth or sixth week doing this before we go to church. And then it dawned on me. I looked, and it's like, well, gosh, five or six weeks have gone by, and I've got plenty of money here. I don't know how because I was kind of doing the math, but it didn't really add up, but there's enough here there's pl- to give. And it dawned on me what Jean and Jan had said both times. It just doesn't add up, but somehow the money is there. Following through with this, several weeks later, God began to change my heart. What was a penny pinch and knucklehead, even though I still am in some areas of my life, I began to give cheerfully from the heart. I look forward to it for the first time in my life. And that's something that uh, only God can do. I I was so far removed from that. Um, I got to the point where I would always avoid those people on the street that were looking for handouts. And after this episode many years ago, when I went through this experience with tithing and God changing my heart, I'm convicted if I pass by him now without giving a handout. It's, it's strange. I've actually passed by one and went, oh, God, I've got to turn back around now to meet him. That's a changed heart. So why am I giving you this testimony? Because I knew after that experience I was going to be called one day to be somewhere like here today to give you that. Because it was not natural for me. It was not me. Nowhere near me for this thing with generosity and tithing. Only God can do what happened to me. Only God. And let me tell you, not a person or a pastor preaching up here can tell you. No, not, they can't tell you what to give. I had to seek God and take him up on his promise. That's what really did it. So I mentioned the word tithe. And let's be clear, it most commonly refers to like 10%, okay? So some of you may be asking, well, Jay, gosh, is that 10% of my gross income or 10% of my net pay or this or that or whatever? Don't get hung up on that. No, please, don't get hung up on that. What God is looking for you to do is to earnestly, like I had to do, is seek his will concerning giving. And you do that, he's going to reveal to you what tithing giving is all about. Seek his will. God knows how hard this is for us in our human flesh, our selfish nature, to give back a portion, a tithe, back to his kingdom purpose. That is why he's telling us in Malachi 3.10, test me in this one area of your life. Just test me. What I learned is this. Everything, and I mean everything we have, is from God. Our wealth, our talent, possessions, you name it. And he can give and he can take just like that. He owns it all. We're only stewards of it. 
and cause us to be good stewards of it. Now, let's be real with one another. Does God really need your money? No, no. He's looking for your heart. That's what he's looking for. Does this church, the ministry, the outreach need your money? Yeah, yeah, to be honest, the ministry, the support, the infrastructure, the lights, the outreach, the things that we did at his ministries, uh, the children's ministry, yes, to keep the operations going. But still, it's much more than that. There's a portion of what God has given you and you giving back to him. Does it help further his kingdom? It sure does. Everything you give here helps further his kingdom, helps us reach out to the community, speak to people here in the congregation, you reaching out to others. But still, there's more to it than that. Luke 6.38, give and it will be given to you. And Acts 20.35 tells us, it is more blessed to give than to receive. That is what God is telling us. Remember, Although it involves money, it's not about the money. Proverbs 3.9 tells us to honor the Lord with your wealth and the first fruits of all crops, then your barns will be filled to overflowing. This verse is critical in understanding stewardship. So why the first fruits he talks about, which is our wealth today? It's basically to show that God is first in our lives and not our possessions. It is to take God up on his promise. Test me, he says. Test me in this one area of your life. Don't wait and see what you have left over to give. Don't start analyzing entries in your checkbook like I did and to see if it all adds up, something I used to do over and over again for 20 minutes sitting there at the desk. Logically for me, because I'm a logical person, it just didn't make sense. But miraculously, with his promise, Test him, I'm telling you. A common theme you will hear with almost every testimony concerning tithing is this. It doesn't add up. Somehow the money is there, and it won't always add up. It's God's promise, miracle, and blessings where God tells us in Malachi 3.10, see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. He uses the word see if here. He's challenging us in this verse because he knows how hard it is for us to do this in our flesh. If there are two major things, and only two, that I could tell you from my experience on what we gain it would be this. Number one, a changed heart and freedom from our possessions. And number two, you get blessed while investing for eternity. That's what tithing does. Only God, only God can do that. Not by me nor any pastor or church telling you what to give. Nope. Only by you taking God up on his promise in the, name, in the one area God asks you to test him, Malachi 3.10. The other byproduct of all this, and one that I believe a lot of churches get backwards, is this. 
They'll preach to you solely on money involving stewardship. They'll blast you with it. I've heard stories about that. I've been in churches like that. They'll talk about the budget, the giving, the needs, and everything of the church and the finances. But yes, you know, yes, we have, we have a need. We have a need to operate this ministry and depend on congregational giving. Yes, that's a part of it. But let me be clear. That comes second as a byproduct of what God does in your heart and lives concerning stewardship when you test him. Churches sometimes get this backwards. I'm telling you, let God reveal to, his, reveal to you his promise first. You take him up on it. Let him change your heart. And the rest will fall into place. Um, Chris, I need to, did you, I'll invite the band back up here if you're going to, if you've got some, as I start wrapping up here, um, as I close. <clears throat> so let me just say I've come to understand that my crossing paths with Pastor Clarence, with Gene and Jan, it was no coincidence. I learned over the years that God uses situations. He puts people in our lives. And I was off track. And it was God placing people in my path, planting a seed for me to begin to take hold of. And just let me say, if, if all I've done is plant a seed in someone this morning, like someone did for me, then I've accomplished what God intended this morning. That's all I ask. My walk away for you today, Mark Malachi 3.10. Just read it, meditate on it. Ask God to help reveal the understanding of Malachi 3.10 to you. Test him in this one area of your life. Test him. It's, it's an awakening. And stewardship in the end, it's all about a changed heart. Lord, Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this opportunity to speak this morning. And Lord, I pray that... Uh, the words from my mouth were your words. Any words that aren't from you, that they fall on deaf ears. But those words that are from you, that they fall on the hearts of those individuals in here and are taken out of the doors here and into the community, Lord. Bless those that are here. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.